0: Our hike today takes place within the pages of the written word. We will explore the concept of hiking underground. This is a book by author Amy Smiley. So I wasn't expecting to feel the way that I felt when I was reading Amy's description of the natural world. Usually I prefer experiencing nature in real time and in the real world. I was swept away, by the wonders of the child character, Adam, and his incredible mother, Emma, and their relationship with the natural world. The book was like having a love affair with nature. Amy Smiley, welcome to Nature, The
1: Drug of Choice. Good morning, Valerie. I'm so pleased to be here, and thank you for that beautiful introduction. It Mm -hmm. does me honor. You're welcome.
0: Could you please read from the chapter about Emma's trip to the
1: pond? Okay, so what listeners should bear in mind is that Emma is also a visual artist and her explorations on the page and with pencil are, they they run in parallel to her explorations in the natural world. And we might think of Emma as someone who uh, seeks immersion creatively in her artistic expression, but also through her experience in the natural world. I love that setup, thank you for that. She kneeled down by the lock, her knees pressing into the dense floor of leaves. Contemplating her reflection, Emma noted proudly that her face was truly dirty. Her eager hands dipped in and out of her amused glance as she cupped the cool waters then spilled them over her face. She knew that she was truly alone from the stillness of the earth that gathered around her bare legs. With a mischievous smile, she quickly stripped and shaded by the frothing waterfall bathed in secret under the summer sky. The morbid feeling of the city as a tomb dissolved in the pool where her splashes broke like laughter. Up from one last dive, her hair got tangled with loose leaves. She left them there, offering no explanation to Luke, when later she pulled them from her clumps of pondy hair, smiling at him with no malice, But with some trepidation at the corners of her mouth that left him wondering where she had been and who she was dripping from head to toe she stepped into her dusty clothes which instantly was soaked with lines of earthy rain trickling down her thighs so much for the bath emma didn't mind in the least although it was a bit uncomfortable to walk through the ravine with soaking socks and sloshing shorts. Just a few steps from the waterfall, she came upon an odd sort of clearing which captured her attention, her whole being, in fact, as she sensed something beyond nature there, something deeper, more mysterious, something more to do with myth, unearthly. It's unplanned circularity, swelling the geography, with the suggestion of a gathering place for curious creatures. As she quieted her steps, she became aware that the spot itself was breathing as if always alive, ageless.
0: When I read that, I felt like I was reading one of E.E. E. Cummings <laughs> poems about spring and his yes. messy, wild, uh verse that he uses. So yeah. those words, aroused the senses. I remember reading that um, I could smell the muddy pond. um, And and because it had been a while since I allowed myself to be taken away by nature like that, it was intoxicating. And it really inspired me to get back out of nature, I had to step away uh, from it for a while due to an injury. So what readers probably don't know, they couldn't know from that. But that takes place in where?
1: In Central Park,
0: actually.
1: <laughs> uh, OK,
0: so they're going to no. want to know. Authors always draw from, from what they've experienced. So they're going to want to know, have
1: you done that? Or you don't have the answer. <laughs> well, uh, I have spent a lot of time in Central Park. Uh, going for walks by myself you know being a city person it's important for me to seek out just yes. the, the, the the expression of nature it, it's something that i need to immerse myself in and more importantly i seek that feeling of reverie and going to central park even though it's contrived and even though there are a lot of people you can sometimes find a very magical place where it feels timeless and where you, and I have kneeled down and I have, you know, put my face in the water and I do love the dirt and I do like dig with my hands and lay on my back in the grass and look up at the trees. And all of that is absolutely true. And while I have, stripped down and dived into lakes and ponds in the mountains. I actually did not do that in Central Park, although I would have liked to. <laughs> the characters get to, right? The characters get, get to. And that's That's the beauty of fiction, is that the characters are even more free or the characters are the expression of our own inner freedom in, in a more Uh, extreme way I suppose what we don't allow ourselves to do in the world we can allow our characters to do as an extension of our very deep impulses
0: yes and you know I'm interested in how you started your relationship with nature
1: do you recall yes I recall very keenly I I as a very young child and and i actually have memories believe it or not back to standing up in my crib for the first time i spent a lot of time in the backyard and the backyard was my father's kind of creative genius the the place of his creative genius and he made all the flower beds and i spent my my days under the lilac bushes, just the wafting of those scents. And we had patches of garden uh, for planting things. And my father and I would kneel down again, kneeling, you know, for Emma, for myself, kneeling into the earth. And he would teach me how to put my little fingers into the earth and plant the seeds. And it was, absolutely thrilling to come back day after day and watch things grow and at the same time that my father taught me how to garden he taught me about poetry because he absolutely loved it Robert Lowell, Yeats these were his these were his people and that literary um That that literary mind of my father, combined with the gardening, is what gave me that sense that we can experience some kind of reverie in nature, something that creates an immersion with something beyond ourselves, and that we can also, if we wish, we can name it, we can it, it, it arouses a kind of poetic experience, something that exceeds language in its usual sense, and something that exceeds even our touch of nature. And that's why I love hiking so much, because as we walk, as we ascend, there is this kind of reverie that is freed within us, and it's a reverie that hearkens, that I think, deep within. And the feeling of ascension and the feeling of descension, it's kind of a geography of the soul where we reach for something when we ascend, we reach for something even spiritual. And when we descend and we go back into the valley and we slowly go back down to the earth, we we can feel what it means to have gone away and then come back and, and integrate those two worlds together. And living in the city, I know that I need reverie with all this cement and all these cars yes. and all these this noise. I need I need the peace of reverie. And I and, and I often go hiking myself to find it.
0: What do you believe is happening in the mind-body? when we're out in nature or you know on a hike
1: yeah it's a beautiful question and i i love it so much and i hope i can do justice to it i i think we we must follow our impulses we must follow them because they lead us to places unknown and they lead us to places mysterious and i think there is mystery that that we are compelled to explore in nature we are compelled to explore a life force that is much larger than who we are and this life force I find very much in trees and of course they're they're grand and they're beautiful and they tower over us and they're just majestic but what I do personally in my reverie and what Emma does um to a great extent is try to seek what these living and breathing trees are below the surface of the earth so so hiking hiking leads us into a world of the seen and the world of the unseen and these roots of nature that's where the trees they search for oxygen and nutrients, and it's the the pulsation of their life force is very real and very powerful. I've always been very drawn to roots. And as a hiker, I love to look at trees that have been felled by a storm to see how all, all their limbs sort of wind together. And I, I wish people could see yeah. your, your all <laughs> the weather moving
0: right now. <laughs> so They're like body parts. So, so the, the title "Hiking Underground." Um, I didn't yeah. I didn't understand that until the last part of the book. But um, yeah, you know, I didn't need to. Right. So, do you want to talk more about the title and how that came to I, be?
1: I would because it ha- also has a lot to do with the world that I live in on a day-to-day basis, meaning that I'm a psychotherapist. And, um, you know, I feel like in the therapy room so much comes up that is mysterious and, and comes from the pre-conscious and, and unconscious mind. You know, like Freud said that that the mind is like the iceberg and we only, yes. in the conscious mind, we only express one seventh of it but everything below has so much to do with who we are and in the therapy room there is deep exploration of dream life because it is uncensored so i think that the hiking underground has to do with the search for the uncensored self the uncensored protected part of the world the uncensored love of the world, um, and that's why that's why the title is so important. And for the artist, who Emma is, she needs to feel free, and she needs to go hiking yes. uh, into that mystery in her work. Yes, and and so the the actual hiking became synonymous with that exp- exploration and, and hence the title.
0: So tell us more about your psychotherapy practice and your, your background.
1: Okay. Well, uh, preceding the psychotherapy practice, I, I was a professor of literature for some years. Okay, and that
0: makes sense.
1: I lived in France for 14 years and I got my PhD in literature there and I was very interested in surrealism as a kind of very active force in, in challenging the world and its oppressive facets and challenging the world through, through true language, um, the language of dreams, the uncensored language. And I I absolutely love literature and I little by little found that I loved talking to students more than the actual uh act of teaching and i love and i seek deep deep connection be that in nature or with people and the psychotherapy practice is a way to to understand what all different kinds of attachments are and connections between people and how those connections can be healing and i think that Just as nature has everything in it to heal itself unless we destroy it, so too do we have the capacity to heal and um, I, I believe in the work very much and it's a great privilege for me to work with people. And so for I,
0: them, how, how wonderful <laughs> for them to work with you.
1: Thank you. <laughs> I'm I, I sort of, like
0: a therapist.
1: <laughs> I, I sort of meld the world of language and poetry with the world of dream and all that is painful. And, and I'm not afraid of human suffering. I'm not afraid of pain and sorrow. I can sit with it and look at it in the face. And I, and I think we we need to look at ourselves and I think we need to walk through the mountains and the hills and the woods so that we're unafraid.
0: Yes, and that reminds me of the, uh, the chapter where Emma and Adam and her husband, Luke.
1: Luke, yes. It was
0: the last day of their vacation yes. in Maine <laughs> and she wanted one last adventure. Yeah. And there was a little bit of fear coming up because she realized she didn't know where she was. And yeah. I, I tell my listeners that, you know, it's so important to get thrown off um, because when we're thrown off, it's like we get into a, a deeper uh, narrowing of our focus and we become keener and more insightful and it just helps us to grow. Mm. So getting people ask me one time, you know, um, don't you, are you ever afraid of getting lost in you know, the woods without a map? I'm like, no, I just get lost in my thoughts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's,
1: it's the hard, best hard kind of that way orientation. You know? yeah. I don't,
0: uh, I did uh, 30 miles on the Appalachian Trail without a oh. map because I forgot <laughs> it, and very little phone service. Um, but you just follow those little white yes on the trees. Yeah. It was in yeah. uh, Kent, Connecticut, and I just did three days. But beautiful. Um, it's fine, you know, you, you, you sometimes have to double back. But the yes I remember the energy that I got from being out there and I saw very few people there. Yeah. was by myself.
1: <laughs> yeah the I, I that do. comes
0: from that, you know.
1: I I totally feel that too. but I also think that fears naturally can well up within us when we're out in the, the great beyond and we don't know what to expect and there are wild animals right there, there are snakes there are bears there, out there we had a, yeah there, there's a life dream. there's life that's more powerful than we are and you know i i think these these kinds of adventures in the woods they evoke our fears from within but but also fears of the world you know things we don't expect that could just sort of be thrown in our path, and mm-hmm. how are we going to handle it and what are we going to do mm-hmm. i mean
0: I you know. I, I found that bringing fear of meeting a wild pig out here in in Texas, yeah, um, would 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 draw that to us. So when I go out mm-hmm. on a hike, I say hello, thank you. I'm here <laughs> from a peaceful perspective. I love you. You know, I'm I'm want to tread lightly on the trail, not disturbing anything. I hope you find lots of food today. You know, and it doesn't, I don't feel afraid or threatened. Yeah. Although if I do hear them yes. grunting or whatever, I'm going to quietly go the other way. Yes. That's what I that. do when
1: I see bears.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I quietly go the other way. It's not a video game. You don't get to hit reset.
1: No. Right. And, and when an animal feels threatened by your presence, yeah. and it's real. Yes. And yes. you have to They're be respectful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Same with snakes. You know, we're we oh hear snakes so much, but they really you're just you know going about their business and
1: they are and stay they, on the path. Stay. If, on you the path. if you don't mind, I want to tell one little anecdote oh, sure. that a client told me she did a very difficult hike, which I've done myself, called Breakneck R- Breakneck Ridge. Oh, I don't which like is, the sound <laughs> Oh, I know. But it's actually a hike that uh, many painters of the Hudson River School did because of the gorgeous plunging views into the Hudson Valley. And I absolutely love to go up there. Anyway, she told me this story about how she was hiking up Breakneck Ridge and she came to a spot where she couldn't turn around. There were people behind her. She had to move forward and there was a giant copperhead snake. And she was mm-hmm. face to face with the snake. Mm-hmm. She couldn't go back. She couldn't go to the side because it was the cliff. Mm-hmm. And she looked at it and she just said, I'm going to be okay. And she stepped over it and continued mm-hmm. her hike. Yeah. I thought that was the bravest thing ever. Yeah,
0: yeah. And, and she would have never had that opportunity had people not been behind her.
1: Exactly.
0: So you push through the fear and the fear has to, has to fade, you know, when we face it on, it just has to fade. That's Um, right.
1: I love that pushing through the fear.
0: I just finished a course um, called um, the perils of coding human coding. It's about transhumanism. And I was a little worried about, uh, about that topic, Mm -hmm. but I'm less worried now because there is no way that our brains can be duplicated and coded to experience all of what we just talked about our biology um it can't be coded and when we're in nature you know there's not a there's not a program for that what what she did she did it in an instant you know when you're hiking you're reading the trail, you're noticing whether the, is that a stick or a root, you know? Um, is that a snake or a root? We're mm-hmm. constantly evaluating and we're also, um, you know, taking in all this wonderful energy and creativity. And, you know, there's no way that, you know, AI can replicate that. You know, you might be able to put on some goggles and visually get someone else's idea of what you should be looking at you know? right. here's here's the scene. I mean, it's only as good as the stuff they put into it exactly. so it's a bot. it's not a human. it doesn't have consciousness and creativity right. so i I really encourage people through through this podcast and and in my sessions too to step out into nature and and i I love to take my phone because I may want to record something that i want I'm right. thinking about or mm. take some pictures, but it's also can be very counterproductive, you know, to, to be out there and, and de- depend on a GPS map. Right. Um, I've never done that. Those confuse me. So <laughs> when much. I look at a map, I get very confused. I want to just yes, sense yes. where I am. Okay, so-
1: yeah, we don't necessarily want a mediated experience. We we want an immersive experience. Yeah. So
0: let's leave technology out of nature, please.
1: <laughs> yes, please. If you,
0: need to, if you need your phone for something, take a picture. But try and yeah. you know gain your your reconnection to your instincts because they're yeah. really great.
1: And right? and <laughs> the energy that you can feel. I mean, that for me, most of all there's some kind of vibration or some kind of hum in the forest. And as you ascend, or even as you just walk through the woods, you just sort of feel lifted out of yourself. And if you're mediating that experience, I don't think you're going to feel that lift.
0: Right. And I think talking to someone, I don't like to hike with other people. Mm-hmm. Sorry, all the people I've hiked with are listening, but that's okay every once in a while. But you know, the constant chatter and conversation. I just feel like the trees
1: are going, shut up. Oh, yes. And, and don't we want to listen to the wind? Yes. Don't, don't we want to listen to the little, you know, streams that are flowing by or the crunch of leaves under our feet or just take in all those scents and smells? Like, don't we want that? If, if we're outside of it in conversation, we're, we're not going to have that experience.
0: Is there another excerpt from the book that you'd like to read?
1: Well, I, I think I'd like to just continue that excerpt, if that's okay, okay with you. Yeah. Um, because I think after our conversation, it may resonate well with the listeners. I, I certainly hope so. Emma's climb finally ended as she stole quietly toward the center of that rounded clearing beneath the canopy of branches. And there beheld a most majestic tree, widely lobed with crevice trunk, bulging here and there with warts, a gnarly oak, stunted with twists and turns, its boughs gathered around itself in crooked embrace. It had a fierce beauty about it, the dark experience of a thousand seasons. The clearing was completely surrounded by oaks, contrasting starkly with the stretch of forest just nearby, where all kinds of trees blotted the sky. But here, there was just old oak. From the cluster arose a sweet water scent, sap no doubt, still coursing through its veins at a snail's pace. Emma put out her hand to touch the trunk, then timidly dropped it at her side. Still, she approached, nevertheless, then stopped again, somehow captured by the presence. So, why
0: do I feel this welling up inside of me like I want to cry? I want to cry too,
1: Valerie. <laughs> yeah. I coming in contact with that mystery, it, it's so. It's so outside of our usual experience, and it's so intimate. The the intimacy that we can feel in a book, which reading, I think, is the most intimate experience there is because we can really enter the mind of of another person. It's a total feeling of otherness, that intimacy. And that that makes me tremble. and and Emma trembles as she beholds the tree, she feels this presence of something beyond. And, and I just find that I find her experience, which of course, springs from something deep in myself to be yes. very, amazing.
0: yes. I, I'm going to read your book again, because it's oh. just so delightful. Thank <laughs> and you. It, it's like a meditation. It's truly. Yeah. Uh, lack like of meditation I can feel myself out there and so the days I can't get away and North Texas is not the best most scenic place to hike mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm close to a place called uh, the equestrian trails of uh, Trinity Trails at Lake Levon um, and what I like about them is that they're unimproved and you get to jump over horse poop and get muddy you know have to follow those muddy horse horse prints and um but so reading this really uh, is just so much more yummy <laughs> so we have about five minutes left yes. is there yeah. anything else that you want to share with us i i, I kind of want to talk a little about adam but i also want people sure. to buy
1: the book and read about it too <laughs> yes Well, we've talked so much about hiking in nature, which I appreciate so much. I just want to suggest to readers that the relationship with nature is, you know, it is very much at the core of the book. But this is also a book about motherhood, about the very special relationship between a mother and her son. and. that relationship, the, the sort of symbiotic relationship that comes through the attunement that the mother and child feel for each other and feel for the world, that attunement is explored in the book. And I think readers would enjoy that. And there's also a third character, Alice, who is a babysitter. So there's there's a triangle, a relational triangle going on between the three. And, the Dactyl Review uh, by Vian Alexander, which I appreciate so very much talks about the ways in which these three characters might be considered as three different stages of the self, the child, the young adult and, and the more mature adult mm-hmm. and the, the kind of overlapping of these different stages of the self, but the overlapping of consciousness you know the mingling of consciousness between these characters the poet Yeats talked about consciousness being a shared experience rather than a single autonomous experience and I tried to render that in the book the the idea of a shared consciousness and we may believe and I think I believe that there's some kind of consciousness in nature as well That we can sort of tap into and we can fathom and we can feel like you say the tree is talking to us.
0: I do encourage people to stay connected to what I call their wild child within Mm -hmm. nature is a place to do it so get a copy of the book read about Adam and and be Adam. When you're outside be Be free be be free be all of these characters. Yes, Amy, thank you for sharing your heart and your soul. Um, I
1: really appreciate what you've done. Thank you, Valerie. This was such a very moving, sensitive conversation for me. I'm deeply grateful to you. And and thank you for everyone who listened. Go to the
0: show notes um, for this episode because I'm going to post a cover of the book and a picture of beautiful Amy's face and her wonderful smile also some links to where you can purchase this book i'll also post a review from dactyl foundation
1: i actually have a website amysmiley.com okay and on that website there are posted four different links
0: oh then we're uh, going to do it that way yeah
1: three because we three want traffic,
0: traffic which, to your web
1: yeah three of which are Uh, independent book outlets. I I don't remember right this minute. Um, Of course, people can also go to Atmosphere Press and purchase, you know, it's a small press. I'd like to support the press.
0: Thank you, Amy, for joining us today. Again, that was Amy Smiley, the author of Hiking Underground from Atmosphere Press. Go to the show notes for more information on how to purchase this book. This is Valerie Grimes, the host of Nature, the Drug of Choice.